I'm Josh Cooperman, host and publisher of Convo by Design. This is another episode of Legendary Conversations, stories, events, and intimate chats with legends of design. This conversation, Clutter Can Be Cool, was moderated by Introspective Magazine editorial director Anthony Frein and features an all-star cast of creatives, including Thomas Jane, Carrie Joyce, Tom Stringer, and Mary McDonald. The panel is called Clutter Can Be Cool, and you will hear a certain amount of displeasure launched at Marie Kondo, and I understand it. I I get it. I think Kondo's organizational structure, techniques, and ideas have been helpful to so many. At the same time, I do understand why so many in the design community take issue with her philosophy. Listen for a great point made by Frein about Kondo's ideas regarding minimizing the number of books one collects, yet she's an author. It seems odd, right? Design is personal. Design is experiential. And those who love to be surrounded by things don't want to be told that to be happy, you must limit the number of things in your life. This is a great chat about stuff and things, the type of things that make for extraordinary design. To the best of my abilities, as a design enthusiast, I cannot imagine design without things. And I'll let the experts take it from here. I should say thank you, Patrick. Thank you, um, Legends, for um, inviting us back yet again. First Dibs loves this partnership, and we're particularly happy because this is Patrick's uh, debut year of running the show, and it's been from my experience, perspective really great. So congratulations and um, enjoy the rest of the day. We're gonna start the day with this, which I am particularly um, invested in this subject. Um, um, It started with this little book that I'm holding here. Um, So officially the talk of this, uh, the title of this talk is Clutter Can Be Cool, Um, but it could just as easily be called In Defense of Stuff or The Pleasure of Piles, or my favorite, which is Fuck You, Marie Kondo. Uh, So Kondo, of course, is the famous decluttering star of a Netflix show and the author of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which has sold more than 9 million copies, which are now cluttering bookshelves and nightstands around the globe. Kondo's catchphrase is sparking joy, and she advises, quote, keep only the things that speak to your heart then discard all the rest. Now, there's sense in much of what she says that we should only live with the stuff that we truly love. But what happens if you truly love lots and lots of different stuff, like me, (laughs) and I'm assuming most of the people in this room? Um, Stuff, uh, uh, do you also foster sentimental attachments to all manner of things? And do you believe that objects that you surround yourself with tell you stories about who you are or who you want to be? or as Tom and I were talking before, who you once were. Um, So much as I'd like to, I can't embrace Kondo's philosophy, which is undermined, I think, by testimonials um, she provides in her book along the lines of, quote, I'm delighted to report that since cleaning up my apartment, I've been able to really increase my sales. Or, your your course taught me to see what I really need and what I don't, so I got a divorce. Plus, I'm particularly offended by her advice to, quote, keep your volumes of books to about 30, which number presumably includes her own, and hopefully those of some of our panelists um, gathered here today. So I'm going to uh, now try to quickly introduce our panelists, um, uh, starting at the uh, distant uh, 
west of me, or I have no idea where, where I am. Uh, Thomas Jane. For the past 25 years, Thomas Jane has designed rooms that reflect a strong connection to history and place. He draws upon their past for inspiration, seeking details that will deepen and enhance their decoration. Whether the site is a Soho loft in a late 19th 19th century industrial building or a historic federal house built by a New England whaling merchant, the settings become part of the narrative, their history providing the impetus for the design. Thomas's academic training greatly influenced his design philosophy. He's a graduate of the University of Oregon School of Architecture and Allied Arts, and he also trained in American material culture and the decorative arts at Winterthur, and earned a master's degree from the University of Delaware and pursued advanced fellowships at the American Wing of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Historic Deerfield, and the J. Paul Getty Museum before moving on to a position at Christie's Estates and Appraisals Department. So there you probably encountered lots of stuff. Um, his interest in architecture and the decorative arts eventually led him to pursue a career in interior design. He was fortunate to work in two of the most influential design studios in America, uh, Parrish Hadley and another company whose name is here on this piece of paper, uh, Parrish Hadley and Kevin McNamara, before opening Jane Design Studio in 1990. In addition to his international practice, Thomas is a noted author of The Finest Rooms in America from 2010, American Decoration, two years later, and more recently, Classical Principles for Modern Design, Lessons from Edith Wharton and Ogden Codman's The Decoration of Houses, uh, which is written with my good friend Ted Luce. Um, I think I, I want to come back to Edith Wharton a little later in the conversation, but I'm glad you're, you're my Edith Wharton expert on the panel. So I'm glad you're here. You, you Thank need you. to mention that I was a graduate of Pacific Palisades. I went to high school in the Palisades, and that, that really changed my life. So I, I okay, local add, local add boy this, uh, made California part in there. You okay. did? Yes. You're a local? Yes. Oh. <laughs> the third generation, in fact. So local boy made good in New York, where. Lots of good stuff happens. Uh, the acclaimed projects of Carrie Joyce articulate a unique design sense seamlessly marrying, marrying fine materials, clean lines, and sophisticated textures, emboldened by a touch of glamour, all of which you can see in the green library that's featured on the cover of your introspective magazine. Um, and we profile Carrie inside. Uh, we're big fans of his work. Uh, Kerry opened his L.A. design firm following a successful career as an art director for film and television. In addition to his lauded interior projects, Kerry oversees several highly regarded furniture, lighting, and rug collections. Most recently, his firm introduced Kerry Joyce Textiles, whose fabrics and wallpapers mirror the firm's refined aesthetic. With offices in Los Angeles and Connecticut, because he's a, a Yankee by birth, uh, Kerry is the author subject of The Intangible, a monograph from Pointed Leaf Press that celebrates his robust career in interior design, architecture, and product and textile design. Next, uh, we have Tom Stringer. Chicago-based Tom Stringer founded his eponymous multidisciplinary firm more than 20 years ago to conceive and deliver unique design solutions for residents, restaurants, and yachts around the globe. Stringer's design approach is largely informed by his great passion for exotic travel. Filtering his experiences through the prism of design allows him to bridge styles and cultures, expanding his imagination into innovative layers of color, textures, and function, and I should add, add stuff. Um, you know, who doesn't travel and bring home things and want to keep those near and dear to them? Uh, with the same energy that inspires his own love of travel and collecting, Tom and his creative team bring this rigorous planning enthusiasm and joy of discovery to the comfortable, glamorous homes they create. Widely lauded and published, uh, Tom recently released his first book, 
An Adventurous Life, Global Interiors by Tom Stringer. A compendium of his world travels, personal photography, and observations intermingled with other, over half a dozen of his projects. And then last but certainly not least, we have Mary McDonald. Uh, Mary is an award-winning, internationally published, Los Angeles-based interior designer working on projects throughout the United States. She's the author of Interiors, The Allure of Style, um, and has starred in Bravo TV's Million Dollar Decorators and Property Envy. She currently uh, co-hosts Talking Chic on Sirius XM, a weekly radio show for style, fashion, and home. Her licensed product lines include two acclaimed fabric and trim collections for lighting. Uh, uh, for I see you're missing the word fabric. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to declutter my notes, so I took out every twelfth word, which you might have already noticed. Um, <laughs> lighting for Robert Abbey, rugs for Patterson, Flynn, and Martin, and um, furniture for Chaddock Home. And actually, the fabric is from Schumacher. I'm now yes, remembering. That seemed wordy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, thank you all for coming, and thank you all for coming. And I guess I want to start with a show of hands, panelists included. Who's like pro Marie Kondo and who's anti Marie Kondo? So let's go with the pros. <laughs> We've got one brave. So. <laughs> Sometimes, okay. No. Okay. <laughs> what, what, we, we we call it concept only, <laughs> meaning. Yeah. In theory. Isn't it as a as a sieve? Like, uh, I think it's good to have her as a proponent of analyzing what we own and why we own it, but not necessarily take her whole uh, shtick. As 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 religion. Okay. So I think that you know what is particularly interesting about her philosophy, um, and why it doesn't apply to most of the people in this room, is you walk down um, La Cienega, you just see you know windows and stores filled with beautiful stuff, and then you look at um, your your spaces, or you look at interior designers who I have to imagine you have a natural affinity for things. You see beauty in lots of things. You probably, many interior designers become dealers in their own rights because they have warehouses filled with things that they loved and couldn't convince a client to love. Or um, So um, stuff, right? You tell, maybe quickly, each of you tell me about your relationship to stuff. Start with, we'll start with Mary, who's... Okay. I love stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm a total hoarder. Person. I have storage. I, I'll buy things for houses I do not have. It's a lot cheaper than buying the house. Um, and as for Marie Kondo, Kondo, I don't even watch it, but I have seen little clips of her. Um, yeah, I think it's true what she says. But the, what you're talking about is that it brings us joy. Does it bring you joy? I always say, well, yes, it does. And 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 yes, it does. I, even knowing I have it, it kind of brings me joy. So um, ever since I was little, I liked to collect things, even unimportant things, but things of the same color. I still, I get on a jag of, uh, you know, pink Murano ashtrays. I've never really finished this, where I just like to collect small pink porcelain or ceramic items. I, and to me, in the back of my mind, always having that in the back of my mind is very fun for me. If I'm at, in, at a junk store, in, I don't care where it is, and I see a little pink thing. I don't need anymore, 
but it brings me joy to collect these things. I do it with jewelry. I go in to Patrick's. I was like, I don't need this. How much is it? <laughs> but it brings me joy. So I, okay. I love the journey of collecting things, even unimportant things, to make a collection. Okay. Tom? Well, I, I, you know, I agree with... No. no, but you here borrow it. I got it. Oh, great. Um, so, I agree with part of the message. I, I agree with decluttering the stuff that doesn't add to the narrative of the story. I mean, I certainly have, am, am victim myself of going off message, but I really believe that design is storytelling, and that the objects that um, inhabit an interior should add to that narrative, mm -hmm. and um, and that you find a pink passion and you follow it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it doesn't have to be logical, it just has to bring joy. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the things around us need to be precious. They don't need to, to always um, be important. But I do think that they need to reflect who we are and, and tell something about, about either our past or, or where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I get the filtering. I, I find myself needing to empty warehouses every five years with all the stuff that I love and wanted to own vicariously but ended up um, actually owning. <laughs> <laughs> There's a critical difference there. <laughs> Vicarious collections are really, are really much healthier for the past. <laughs> That's funny. Hypothetical. Uh, exactly. Carrie, your relationship to stuff? I'm somewhat of a... It doesn't really show in my work, but a minimalist at heart and a modernist. But I, but I really started doing traditional when I first started my career. And I, I work in many different styles, and many different styles sometimes dictate something very simple and very clean, and other times very, not chaotic, but lots of stuff. I, I love bookcases uh, and because they add heart and warmth to a room. And in my book, many people respond to the bookcases, which is interesting. We find uh, uh, for Stibbs, if we run uh, even in a mailer, if we run an image of a room with a with bookcases, that we get you know much more traffic. More people <laughs> click on those. In, in a bookcase, you can load the stuff and accessories, and somehow becomes one object. Mm -hmm. um, so in, the rest of the room may be simple, mm -hmm. but that somehow sets the room and mm -hmm. um, settles it in a way that back to heart, warmth, uh, the fact that your client might read. Mm -hmm. uh, when I do libraries, I always make. I always want the libraries to be real, and um, many of my clients, we hire a person who actually collects the library for them, they go over mm. everything with the client and decide what kind of books they like, and they buy the library. Uh, because most, most clients don't really have a thousand books, yeah. and, uh, and you look at my book, there's a lot of huge bookcases, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but they're real books and beautiful collections, and, um, and then you have the ability to clutter that without making a cluttered room. Mm -hmm. uh, but I hope that doesn't involve wrapping all the bindings in white. If I've offended one of you because you've done that, but I no, feel I, like I, that's I, the I, most I, ridiculous, you know, go, well, yeah. I have done the ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and I, I used to have a storefront on La Brea and because it was a display window, there were white covered books. It mm -hmm. looked beautiful. Okay. But in a person's house, it doesn't make any sense. It's too, right. too decoratory. Right. And uh, I always strive not to be. Uh, I yeah. decorate everything, but I don't want it to look like it's decorated. Uh, uh, in my house, um, I, sometimes it's, if I have too much, many things, the things become less important to me because oftentimes each piece to me is art. 
but when I put too much art together, suddenly I can't see the beauty of the original piece that I had. So sometimes I have to start storing some pieces because it's just too many beautiful things side by side. Mm -hmm. um, so you're on. Well, actually, I'm gonna, I'm, unless you have something you really want to say on this, I want to sort of turn the topic a little bit because uh, to Edith Wharton, I mean, this idea of sentimentality. I mean, I think that you all have incredibly refined eyes. I think for many people who collect, we, we are, who, who, who have stuff, we, we keep it because we're sentimentally attached to it, um, whether or not it's beautiful. And I sort of am reminded of Edith Wharton writing something like, you know, feel, feel free to rid yourself of pieces that you've inherited or from your parents or grandparents, you know, and, and start fresh. So I just, I'm sort of interested, uh, Thomas, in your idea about sentimental attachment to things and whether we should be ridding ourselves freeing ourselves from that sort of baggage. Um, well, Edith Wharton, um, in her book, comes off, as Ted says, very vinegary. But in, at her heart, I think she was sentimental. I, I mean, as an aside, she wrote this very poignant letter on the loss of her friend's dog. Mm -hmm. and her, her friend had lost her dog, and she wrote her a proper sympathy letter because she said, no one will feel as I do about your dog. Wow. And, um, so I, I, knowing that about her, I read her book um, thinking she was not just hardcore, um, rigid structuralist. Um, what, what she was and what I think all of us are as designers when we're most successful is we organize things. We put order, we help our clients organize their lives and, 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 and sometimes add interest. And, and that's what I think um, Wharton talked about was providing structure, and that's what we try to do. If the client has a lot of things, I always ask, do they mean something to you? I, I'm very careful not to say everything has to go until I find out their stories. And when I know their stories and I know what's important, then I say, okay, well, we can remove these things because there's no meaning, and these have meaning, and we will include those. And, and that's what we do as decorators, is take our clients' lives and their stories and present them in a way that reflects them. It, it looks like them, it is them, but it's like going to a restaurant. It's a little better than you can cook at home. Um, it, it's it, it's a, a we I guess we help people present themselves the best way possible, and that includes combining their objects um, with their stories. What also makes me think, you know, how do you as as designers know that the objects that spark joy in you will also spark joy in your clients? And I guess that you're sort of touching on that, but I wonder if that's sort of, you know, as as psychologists, that part of your, your job, is that is is that a part of your job to sort of understand what yes. what brings joy to your clients? I think absolutely. You know? I think finding finding the things that spark interest and and um, motivate your clients to start collecting in a positive direction mm -hmm. is kind of job number one. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I'm always looking to try to find kind of a co-equal joy in what mm -hmm. that passion might be. Yeah. We have the great good fortune of working with people that tend to have interesting stories and interesting collections as, mm -hmm. as a start. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you can channel the direction positively, mm -hmm. then you can build a collection together that's mm -hmm. cogent and you know, lends meaning both to the interior but also to the client's life and mm -hmm. does tell a story. So. Well, you're also curators, right? So you—it's taking stuff and understanding how to curate sure. it down yeah. to show it in its best light. Uh, to your point, I don't think clients do necessarily align with what your first joy is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have yeah. lots of things. I have clients that don't really like 
I have a client in Palm Beach that really doesn't like any kind of clutter. Mm -hmm. And I had to slowly even make <laughs> tables. <laughs> I had to slowly ruin her life. <laughs> no, I mean, but she really doesn't. And it's so particular that I'm constantly using what I would say is a f my filter of what she's telling me she enjoys. Mm -hmm. And it's very particular. Mm -hmm. And so it actually, it's a big exercise for me mm -hmm. to sort of pick apart why she likes these types of objects or this type of art and why she doesn't like this type of art so that I could come up with collections. Mm -hmm. So something, so tables do not look like she doesn't live there mm -hmm. and things she enjoys. But I, it's not necessarily, I mean, does everybody get people that like everything you like? No, I, don't, I, I, don't I think that's like a neat trip though. At all. I think you do? <laughs> Carrie, except stop for, bragging. Except for one client, we know who that is. <laughs> oh, well, I understand that. Yes, we both know that what client. About the, what about the idea that clutter causes comfort? I mean, if you go in, like, we've all been in a new building and it's totally minimal and there's one curved sofa and there's a table and a glass vase. And I don't think that space is comfortable. It's sculptural maybe, but not comfortable. Mm -hmm. So until you add some personal things to it, that's, I think you, you're, you're on the road to clutter for comfort. And mm -hmm. it's, I think what we do is we hold back so it doesn't get cluttered, right. but it has as, as objects. If, if the clutter has no memory to it, it is clutter, but it, mm -hmm. when it has memory, it's not cluttered. Right. Uh, I have a client in New York where um, I did his library. We built these two giant bookcases of rosewood left and right of the fireplace. And I initially set up all the books nice and pretty and a few, few accessories. Um, I don't want to say decoratory, but actually very, very nice job. Then as time has gone by, he has packed so many books into the bookcase, sideways, up and down. Mm -hmm. Any place you can imagine a book could fit, there's a book in that bookcase. That's a dream come true. It is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of if stuff you can't pull I, off in property. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. because <laughs> if I had that many books to begin with, I would, yeah. I would do it the next time. It, it, it's, yeah. it has so mm -hmm. much heart. Yeah. And then he, he's a world traveler, so he collects different yeah. objects. That's cool. And there's way too many things in the room, but each one has meaning. Therefore, it's not cluttered. It's, yeah. it's him. And, that's, mm -hmm. and people really experience him when they enter the room. Mm -hmm. So I love it. William, William, William Colm is here with me. He's my colleague. And we had a client where we went for Mrs. Dr. L and Oyster Bay. We went there for maybe two years. And every time we went, we removed 20 or 30 objects. <laughs> Without him knowing? Well, no, she watched. But I said, <laughs> we, we, we asked her, I said, you know, why do you, why do you, well, it's a great story being designers because we always asked her, is this important to you? Or, and we sometimes would get all the like objects out and say, well, why don't you take the best one and put the others aside? And she was, you know, she was good about it. But it turned out she had a designer who every time she came, every, came, every time he came to her house, he bought her 10 things to, build, to, to jack up the bill. So he was just selling things to her for profit. And it, it was so unfair because she ended up having, she ended up coming across as a hoarder when actually she's just relying on the social life of her designer. She was a victim. <laughs> I, I, I think she was. And, and we saved her. <laughs> we did. I think we, we, we just found a we, topic we for next year. We changed her life in a positive way, and, and she is grateful. And that, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it was a Christian act. I, I, <laughs> but it was also an act of patience and kindness, you know, uh -huh. not just to go in there and say, you're crazy for... 
Right. She got, it's really interesting because it made me very aware of our role in providing people with things that are meaningful but not overloading them and making sure there's a connection. And and then we, we have a yeah. client in Chicago who will never buy a painting and will never buy an object and it, her house will never look great. She won't take our advice or anybody's advice mm -hmm. and it's a disappointment. So mm -hmm. it goes both ways. Yeah. So how about that when you're, when you're dealing with, that woman was not attached to those all her things, but you've you work with people who are incredibly attached to their things. So Absolutely. How, do you, uh, how do you all kind of sneak them out or convince them to? There's always storerooms. Yeah. It, with <laughs> kindness, basically. Yeah. It, you try not to insult the client because it's so easy. You have yeah. to learn the key words. The word interesting means I hate it. Um, so eventually they learn your key word. Uh, so you, you never want to say no to them. You, want, you, you use your, your word and they sort of they get it. You're trying, not, you're trying not to be insulting. Uh -huh. They're insulted, but in a nice, it's polite all. way. Right. Yeah. This was my mother's. Yeah. That's like, that's where you, okay, the they say, now. you know, my grandmother gave this to me when I was married. You just say, okay, we're going to use it. You know, but you have to tactfully ask the question. Mm -hmm. And they say, I just bought this because that's all I could afford at the time. Then mm -hmm. it's a carte blanche. You can say. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're designing the house from scratch, make a storage room. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they can exactly. keep all their things. Yeah. Yeah. Because oftentimes, Treasures. they may want to actually leave it to somebody someday, but yeah. if it goes in a box, they'll never see it again. Uh, We've had clients that have had kind of what I would call strange collections that aren't really, they aren't really decorating friendly. Mm -hmm. But then we built, we built you know little galleries to that passion, yeah. mm -hmm. where and, and and there's a door on that gallery, mm -hmm. and it, you know, but it does let you kind of like it's like it's like you know putting objects on a tray. You draw you know draw a rectangle around it, and suddenly it's order. Right. Sometimes you just have to build walls around it. <laughs> My friends in Natchez have a house uh, with a big vitrine. They've lived in the families live in the house maybe three or four generations, and every generation has put things into the vitrine, and it's everything's from. Remember Hot Wheels, those little cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hot Wheels. There's a Barbie doll, and there's things that are 19th century, and I love that. I've always done that, where you have a, a, a display case, and the, the swimming trophies clay models from preschool, all that stuff goes in there and it makes a story and mm -hmm. it also corrals it. Yeah. Uh -huh. There's a devious decorator um, trick there where you put all the clutter into yeah. a box. It also becomes a piece of conceptual contemporary art, yeah. so all the junk is yeah. rebranded. Re it's, uh, it's worthy of being featured on introspective. I find the safety and, and sometimes in getting a client started in a collection because you can actually it's something that I like yeah. if I show them one of them. Uh, an example is there is um, snuff boxes, which are actually the shapes of ladies' shoes, mm -hmm. little tiny shoes, yeah. uh, Victorian, uh, which are absolutely charming. And so um, I got her started on that. Then another time, amethyst glass bottles, even though they're not valuable, there's something very beautiful about them. Mm -hmm. So and as you were saying, sometimes you love the quest of when you're shopping, oh, there's one of those. There's a reason to shop sometimes. It doesn't have to be a big reason. Mm -hmm. and, not all clients have the love of collecting, but sometimes you, if you set them up on something, the collection will still be something you like, mm -hmm. and you won't uh, have to hide it, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. I also, I think um, clients tend to like similar things when they buy them. You know, just if they're a little bit of a clutter bug and they buy the same thing. I will go around someone's house, if this isn't a from scratch project, and I will see what they have scattered all over their house. Perhaps they like shells, but they have a shell here and a shell there, and it's the junkification 
of not like whatever what they're both saying mm -hmm. uh, you said you put books in a bookcase and you've given it you made it a I mean books go right. in a bookcase but you whatever went in it it made it a collection mm -hmm. Thomas corralled it in it, you have to make if you see little disparate objects mm -hmm. you you can also try if they're you know somewhat acceptable uh, <laughs> to make a collection out of it I mean even small things go on a lacquer tray mm -hmm. you, you make it a collection mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it 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 mm -hmm. takes it from little odd junk mm -hmm. like frames like you said something there about frame family pictures I mean mm -hmm. I personally think it's yep. lovely to have pat pictures from the past and the present mm -hmm. but 70 million frames on everything it does look junky I mean mm -hmm. I say you may have two I would choose hallway walls. <laughs> I'm like, you only have two relatives. But, you know. <laughs> maybe just two on a table here or two there. But I will say, could we make a gallery hall of mm -hmm. all, all the pictures you love, mm -hmm. you know, and do them in different size frames? It's basically just making it into a collection yes. as opposed to go from clutter to collection. No. So rather than purging, it's yeah. just really Well, there's some weird stuff out there. Yeah. I did have, I had a client that interviewed me. I didn't take the job that collected... Um, what were they like Ernie and Bert dolls and wanted them in lacquer in acrylic boxes I, it was too weird for me I was like I don't okay bye <laughs> I'm too busy <laughs> we had a little bit of an extreme situation um, it, but it turned out to be one of my favorite my favorite projects in the last few years I was the first designer in five generations to enter a, a, a prior to the turn of the century, a log cabin up on Lake Superior mm -hmm. in a thousand acres of beautiful virgin forest. And, um, and I've done a number of projects for other parts of the family, so they trusted me. But I, we went in and we realized that everything in that house really did have meaning and was, was attached not just to you know, children or grandparents, but great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. And, and it was literally like piles of rocks. And they, the family had, a, um, the family mm -hmm. had this history of, of of um, going out in the woods in the evening to have like a, a cocktail hour and a dinner by you know by a campfire, and they would pull a lichen off of a tree and they would carve their names and a little saying in it, and then they would bring it home. Mm -hmm. And there were like hundreds of these like of these like mushroomy kind of dried things. Mm. It was the same thing. It was like feathers go with feathers, rocks go with rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, that's actually a good job. Go and yeah, yeah. And it turned out to be really really. Yeah interesting yeah. and the feedback I got from the family was you've paid us such a great honor like mm -hmm. you've, you've really elevated the mm -hmm. sense of family here mm -hmm. and that's that's those are good that's hoardings cool. you mm -hmm. know but, but mm -hmm. again it's 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 classifying if, if it's not by color it can be by type or by texture mm. It, wasn't, it could have said bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> here I'll help you burn all this with great ceremony. <laughs> You know, yesterday there was a panel of maximalism versus minimalism, and but I, uh, which I think is different from this because I think what we're talking about is much more sort of psychological and emotional. Um, but there was a discussion of why sort of this move toward maximalism, or why uh, why this move toward maximalism. And I'm also wondering, is there a move now toward? Well, so in a way, Marie Kondo's success is counter to this idea of no, the things, you know, the more in, the things there are in our life and our rooms, the more interesting our lives and rooms are. Um, I just sort of wonder if you think, you, why has Marie Kondo been so successful? Yeah? 
quality. I mean, I think she's writing to an audience that has 25 t-shirts from H&M. You know, okay. It's not, it's I think, the better quality objects make it harder just to, like, if you, it's like the idea of the book. If, Ten books, if you're just a general reader, I understand. But if you have an intellectual capacity for lots of literature, more books make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's a, that's an issue of quality, mm -hmm. I think. The, the other point I think is important is contrast. And, and I think sometimes having two objects paired tell a story, or, or there's a pair, no, no pun intended, there's parody. But um, <laughs> I know um, when we decorate, you know, we always like, <coughs> Like the lamp has to be porcelain to go with the metal frame, or the there's a the, the clutter, or at least complication of objects adds visual interest, and and that that if you're anti-clutter, you don't get those mm -hmm. rich relationships, and mm -hmm. and and I think for us, we use old things and arrange them sculpturally. We like the we like the shape and the scale and the texture of combining objects, so that causes complication if not clutter. But mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of our decoration is, is mm -hmm. materials and patina and play of color and shape. Mm -hmm. And that could lead to clutter or it could lead to genius. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I know you, you're not her target audience, none of you, and um, you probably would not um, approve of the 22 piles on my desk, although I think they're very artful. I Google searched her on the way out on the plane, and you know how the Wi-Fi is not so uh, great on jet travel, but I typed in her name and I got a message, no content available. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she's really pervasive. You know, I don't, I don't know if um, anybody saw the article the, uh, two days ago in the New York Times about a new um, museum that's opened outside of Turin by a collector called uh, Francesco Cerruti. Oh, and he lived there in, in uh, or didn't even live there. He just visited. Uh, he visited it, yeah. but he had, you know, thousands of objects in this room and how, uh, and contemporary art, but also mixed in with all sorts of um, antiques. And, um, and the article sort of discussed how odd it is to most people's eyes now to see this incredible clutter of objects yeah. and also to see the juxt because we're used to seeing art in sort of white box environments. And um, I've also, you know, there's sort of a return to the Wunderkammer. Um, maybe Tom, you can talk about because you, you, you hunt and gather so much on your travels, this idea of, of bringing things back and filling the room and why we're sort of ready for that perhaps. Well, I, I buy things that I love. I mean, for me, I collect th you know things that I love and and that really are a, a, a reminder of a place I've been. Mm -hmm. And um, I think part of I'm not like a I'm not a vacation shopper. I'm more of an a vac a, a, more of an adventurer. And then for me, that that equals ethnographic art, mm -hmm. which is kind of it's it's I can't sell that passion to a lot of my clients because I think. A lot of people are, are um, intimidated by that. You know, I bring back stuff made out of like human hair and teeth and straw and mud, and that doesn't always appeal to everybody. But it really Maria, Maria is saying no, no, really no, no, no. Me, yeah, a little mud, some, you know, some bones. I'm fine with that. Um, but what I'm what I'm really after when I'm buying on those kinds of journeys is I'm looking for authenticity. And I, I love ethnographic art because it had a place in culture. Mm -hmm. and, and then it automatically has a story, mm -hmm. both the story of the object, but also the story of how I came to, 
to own it. Mm-hmm. And I find that really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just have to get to a point where you keep collecting something with a passion and then you start refining that collection mm-hmm. to recognize that maybe the first and third pieces that you bought aren't We're from the, the airport. Examples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you flip it over and it says made in Korea. <laughs> But anyways, you know, I think you just keep refining and um, and and keep building shelves, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) Good shelves are good things. Exactly. I'm thinking. uh, I want to ask you about cluttered rooms. Your favorite cluttered rooms. I'm remembering we have um, Carrie's beautiful um, cover image, but a few issues back we put Richard Shapiro's Richard Shapiro's living room on the cover. Um, To me, that's a room that's cluttered. Uh, but so magnificently cluttered. So are there rooms that you've been in that um, you can sort of share where the clutter was sort of magical? We- it's, 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 sorry, uh, Sir John Soane, as mm-hmm. you would mentioned, not today, but uh, I, I've always loved that. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, and in relation to that, I once had a store called Designer Resource in which I sold architectural products. Mm-hmm. And I actually displayed all the artifacts on the wall just like art, just like he did in his um, uh, beautiful home. Mm-hmm. And I've always been taken with that. Mm-hmm. And eventually my dining room will look like that if I ever get around to it because I still have all my artifacts from my old store. Mm-hmm. And uh, it won't look just like that, but uh, um, I, I love that clutter. Mm-hmm. I don't actually love all clutter. Uh, some, if clutter gets to be too much sometimes, but if it's done, a good designer doing clutter is different than a bad designer doing clutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a good designer doing ugly is, is be- better than a bad designer doing ugly. <laughs> uh, because I can make ugly beautiful, but some people make ugly ugly. You all got that? You're all following that? <laughs> I, I, can make, I, I can make clutter calm and right, uh-huh. but not all people. Uh-huh. J- just junk is junk, yeah. okay? but curated junk is beauty. So, and uh, as, and as you said, you're just a position of... We, we provide uh, arrangement. Yeah. Just a position of objects and, and textures and yeah. is all important. And, and most people don't know the thinking that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Right. But I overthink everything, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to look overthought when somebody walks in. It's a, it's a, it's it, a gift. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> so. Not everyone can do this. Yeah. It's right. like, don't try this in the privacy of your own home. Yeah. Hire a decorator because it's, it's sometimes extremely... It's expensive to be casual. Well, <laughs> it's also like, it's a degrees. Um, it, I, 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 I can arrange things beautifully, but my husband is a stylist and he arranges things every day. And after I've arranged everything, he comes in and does like two little changes and it's better. So it is a, it's a skill set. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and um, if you have a lot of things in it, at a certain scale, you need professional advice. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you can benefit from a third-party eye. The arrangements of something on a table, one person does it where it just looks like junk, another person, mm-hmm. sort of, like you say, yeah. comes in a minute later, you're going, that's beautiful. Right. So it, all, it, it takes a talent to, again, mm-hmm. declutter your clutter. Mm-hmm. Mark Hampton used to arrange people's houses and then photograph it and give the people the pictures so they could maintain mm-hmm. his arrangements. <laughs> Which they'll never do right. Right, right. Yeah, without a picture. And I have one more famous decorator story. I worked for Mrs. Parrish, uh, Sister Parrish, and she used to go to people's houses and take a tea cart and roll it through their houses and put objects she thought were unacceptable. (laughs) And it became known as being trade. You've been trade. (laughs) 
uh, she was not very nice about people <laughs> having things that she didn't. That she she had a strong will. It, she just would flat out say, "You can't have that." Right. But she had, you know, she worked in an age when decorators had great authority, and Mrs. Parrish was the the greatest authority. So yeah, yeah. I could never do that today. Mary, could you do that? No, <laughs> it's a fallacy. I'm just like everybody else. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but the clients no, are different now. No, I like now. it. No, they're yes. They don't listen to no. advice easily. They no. they they question you. It's not like the they. They question your authority every day, and first dibs is part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> they all go online and do their own research. It's like my, my doctor said he, everyone comes in with their own diagnosis now from reading it online, and it's a lot like being a decorator. Yeah. Everyone has already figured everything out by online. Mm -hmm. So um, be careful what you Instagram. I just, yeah. you know, they'll like say, well, you on Instagram, you did that. or um, It's very funny. Mm. Anyway. We're, I like talk, we all like communicating with our clients, so we're okay, but it's right, a different yeah. age. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A cluttered room that you particularly admire? Does anyone? I loved Mario Bottas. I think mm -hmm. people would call that cluttered. Mm -hmm. Every, I mean, it was organized, his apartment. I mean, I don't no. mean that, I don't mean, I mean his design intent. I don't yes. mean the, the, the stacks yeah. and the balls of lint and things that were <laughs> Mario was a hoarder he would he organized things for other people but his personal life was a hoard well that's true except but yeah. the like yellow living room that was pretty yeah. in a cluttery way yeah yeah it was beautiful it was organized too it was highly organized because of all you know the arrangement and the bow knots and the but people would think that it's cluttered now wouldn't you say that elaborate, people elaborate at I, least if not cluttered mm -hmm. yeah. I like clutter yeah Didn't, I do. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I want to. I want to. Before decluttering a client's house, Marie Kondo um, greets it. She dresses up, kneels formally on the floor in the center of the house, introduces herself, and asks for help in creating a space where the family can enjoy a happier life. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, do you have similar rituals when you approach that? <laughs> <laughs> when I present a house to a client, it's. I'm, my background is in theater, so I do it somewhat in a theatrical manner, where each room's presented, the doors are closed, and you open it up, and it's, it's like another set has been revealed. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have no time. I am up to the last minute with my head cut off running around before the, the client gets there, I'm calm, everything's music's playing, but everybody's running out the back door. Mm -hmm. There's no time to have a ritual. And it's, it's so silly. She does, it, she does it at the beginning before she starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of her theater. And it's part of her introduction. It's, nope. like a, it's like a job interview, getting dressed up for a job interview and mm -hmm. kissing their feet, I guess. But in yeah. that sense, she's, she's greeting an interior that's already intact, you know, mm -hmm. and then right. she's going to attack it and she's gonna murder it. cleanse it and make it better, <laughs> right? And, um, You're I'm, going in for I'm, attack, I'm, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think so, but, but I, I, I've not been known to, uh, you know, get on the ground and... You know, kneel and ask you forgiveness before I do it. I do aspire now to a tea cart, though. I think I'm going to get one. There's, there's one for sale here, I thought. It's <laughs> <laughs> cold. You could, that could be your ritual. You could show up with a tea cart. <laughs> it, mis correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Marie Kondo sort of coming at this from a place of Eastern thought, yes. Eastern medicine, energy, feng shui, which mm -hmm. is very different, yeah. probably. Then. But I think there's something interesting that, you know, her, the sort of formal approach, and I do, I am sort of curious about the designer's process when you go into a house and 
what are you taking in initially and how are you kind of figuring out what this house wants to be or what this family wants mm -hmm. to live, how this family wants to live in it? I look at the house itself mm -hmm. first, what, and what are we doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's something, I'm working on a really great architectural estate in Palm Beach, but that already was so great, I just wanted them to go away and give it to me. <laughs> I didn't even, you know, it was, it's actually such a pretty piece of property mm -hmm. um, that I, look at what are you dealing with? Mm -hmm. Is this something that needs to be completely remodeled? I mean, that mm -hmm. is the, for me, the first thing I look at. Um, you know, what style is the house? What, it, it will kind of tell you. Mm -hmm. and, and then, I mean, I have to listen to what, they tell me how they live, what they like. Is there a reason they called me? Is there something that I did that you liked? Or is there, so that I, they're basically telling me what they think they like, mm -hmm. so I can put it through my filter and put those things together. Especially if somebody first moves into a house, I, uh, I try to say to them, let, let it sort of speak to you for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, because it will when you move into a place, mm -hmm. uh, if, if they're moving, you know, like living in it mm -hmm. before you've they've actually decided what they're going to do to it, mm -hmm. it kind of tells you how how you're working in there. Mm -hmm. Like, are you really using this area? Do you mm -hmm. do you need to open this up? Um, do you prefer that for your clients to have actually lived in the space so they actually know it? I don't mind it, no. but I don't. Want yeah, to I think that's actually an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think they they do know more about it. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I, 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 often my clients buy old houses um, and sometimes they're already prepared to do his and hers bathrooms and walk-in closets and elaborate new floor plans and I always encourage a year uh, to live in the house and, and, and especially to save as much old fabric and, and historic architecture as possible. And uh, in Nantucket I did that with a beautiful old house and the back had been added in the 20s and it was sort of funky but I got them to keep it and only remodel the bathroom for them to share. And um, it was very successful. And the house is very beautiful. And the client also told me that I had saved him about $4 million <laughs> <laughs> by not doing the remodel. Um, so it was a, a win-win for me. So I, I, um, That's what I love about old houses, though, is I think if you, if you're, if you do a Marie Kondo and you enter the house and you, and you kind of through the through the long term, you listen to the house and yeah. let it limit you. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, it, it'll tell you what you can and can't do with it, and and you do quickly. F if you're really listening, you find out what you're trying to impose on it that yeah. shouldn't be, yeah. and then you just eliminate that. Your own time and place sometimes, yeah. and I think that rule is applicable to objects too. When you're analyzing clutter, um, you learn a lot from living with something, and, and learning from it, and. You know, be not being rash about keeping it, and often you're surprised about mm -hmm. something. Both ways, it's 50/50. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I find a, a, a period of analysis. We have a lot of objects in our office that are either bought on stock or we are sending off, and I I learn so much from looking at them every day. Uh, and it, our office, I would say, is cluttered, but the the learning curve of looking at all those objects is is really interesting. So I'm going to end on that note of saying the stuff that you look at every day is actually enriches your life, teaches you. Um, so thank you, Marie Kondo. Thank you all for coming, and thank you to my panelists. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
to this episode of Combo by Designs, Legendary Conversations. If not already, please subscribe to the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can also check out videos uh, from some of your favorite conversations on our YouTube channel, as well as the Convo by Design Instagram feed. Search Convo by Design with an X. Thank you to Mar Mashagian, LCDQ president and longtime friend of the show, Patrick Dragonette. Special thanks to the amazing LCDQ showroom owners and managers, and of course you, because without you listening, there is no Convo by Design. Until next week, keep creating.